0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harts, and Today, we have our weekly DFS edition of the podcast. We're going to be breaking down everything on the DraftKings main slate. Cash games, which are head-to-heads, or 50-50 type formats and tournaments, where we're trying to take down hundreds of thousands of people. Go try to win you that money. So, you know, when we're talking about these guys, we still like them in season long to an extent, but just keep in mind, we're looking at salaries, value based on that, and this is specific to the DraftKings main slate, which starts at 1 p.m. and ends after the 4 p.m. games are over. So so no night game discussion here. Uh, please feel free to check out our injury pod, which will be out Friday night, Saturday morning uh, for updates there. And then also we have myself and Dwayne McFarland's game-by-game breakdown looking ahead to week eight that was released on Wednesday. And finally, had a great conversation with the Athletics' Jake Seeley about some bigger overall topics that you can find as the Thursday edition of this podcast. So with that in mind, and that said, let's welcome on the guy that's always here. PF zone, Andrew Erickson, the prop profit, the guy I can't miss lately. I think he's doing a pretty good job with our lineup construction as well. Andrew, how's it going, my friend? It's going
1: good, man. It's going good. The, the props are uh profitable. Uh you like you like you love to absolutely see that. And I actually had a, a PFF subscriber uh DM me this past week with his DFS lineup, and he scored 202 points on DraftKings and I know that he said he looked at my DFS DFS cheat sheet that I write every week and he looked at or he listened to the podcast. So, you know, I, I can't even build a lineup this good. So I'm glad that at least other people are taking in our information that we're going with and constructing the right lineups to, to win money. So that was really great to see.
0: I had a nice uh, week, so I understand that everyone's lineup is like a play or two away from really busting, but my hand of God, when, when he reached out for that last touchdown, <laughs> if we had an extra six inches, Andrew, I might just be like unemployed right now, just, you know, out in Cabo somewhere. But alas, here we are ready to talk some week eight. So as always, we're going to go through kind of our cash game construction first. And again, we are just trying to get the highest floor possible. Don't care about ownership in this discussion. So Andrew, you know, I... D- I don't want to say I fully doubted it last week. I think you kind of got me around on it. But here we are, you know, death, taxes, Jalen Hurts is our cash game QB. You know, who cares if 40% of his production is coming in the fourth quarter? It works out. And maybe just maybe this week against the Lions, we could actually see like, I don't know, 60 minutes of goodness instead of 15.
1: Yeah, man. If it's not broke, don't fix it. It's Jalen Hurts in cash every single week. It's, it's worked up. It's worked every single week that we've played him. And every time he's on the main slate, I win money. And every time he's not, I don't win nearly as much money. So, yeah, I'm going to continue to play Jalen Hurts in cash until he gives me a reason not to. You know, the rushing equity is there over 50 rushing yards per game for Jalen Hurts. He's been a top 12 quarterback every single week he's ever started an NFL game and played the full game. So it's just, and you have the lions, like what matchup could you possibly ask for? That's better. You know, per PFF strength of schedule to what's the best matchup. Now the lions aren't necessarily giving up the most fantasy points to quarterbacks, but it's because of the way that they're kind of distributing their fantasy points a lot. But from an efficiency standpoint, like they're like the least efficient defense. So you guys attempt quarterback rating all ranking in the bottom three to opposing passers. So, you know, this could be a, a ceiling spot for Jalen hurts again, You know, he's been kind of inconsistent with some of these tougher defenses that he played. But back in week one, he played a really bad Falcons defense, and he looked really good in that game. So it's been more up and down since then. But this is probably one of the softer matchups he's ever going to have. And this game could actually be a little bit more back and forth and not all garbage time hurts. So I think that you just kind of put him in your cash lineup and you check one box off and you move on.
0: Very easy to stack to. You don't necessarily have to because of how much of Jalen Hurts just domination comes on the ground. But we got Dallas Goddard at just 4.7 K. His usage without Hurts was exactly what we were hoping for. Also, Devontae Smith, who hasn't quite been a world beater yet, but still we're seeing him pop as one of the top receivers in the league in terms of air yard share. He's sitting there at an affordable 5.5k. And hey, you can even get Kenny Gainwell, who, as we know, is going to catch plenty of passes all the way down at 5k. So I really do think it's hurts without really. Really much of a question because you look at the QB pricing. We have Jameis at 6K. And then the only guy that's in the middle of the 6K sphere is Ryan Tannehill at 6.6. Obviously, he has the risk of any game turning into the Derrick Henry show. So we don't feel good about him in cash. Then we got Burrow. Brady and or excuse me Burrow, Stafford and Josh Allen just as massive favorites where they might not need to keep their foot on the gas against uh you know their respective opponents. Then we got Tom Brady against the Saints defense that made him look awfully mortal the only three times they faced at least when he's been in a Buccaneers uniform, finally Justin Herbert against the Patriots which gave him his worst game from last season. I'm not out on those guys as, you know, GPP quarterbacks by any stretch of the imagination, but I think Hurts' price tag, his matchup, what we know already which is he's a fantasy god makes him the easy cash game quarterback of Week Eight. Now, Andrew, running back Daryl Henderson remains way too cheap. He I think would be costing well over seventy five hundred at this point if he hadn't kind of dudded last week. But all the uses were still there. We're feeling great about him, and I also think that Joe Mixon sitting there. I believe what is he at sixty 6, nine hundred? 6, yeah, like. There was some concern about his pass down role last week. Samaje Ryan played all but one uh, third down out there. But it's the Jets. League's single worst defense and PPR points allowed per game to running backs. We know with them setting up as, I think, eight and a half or nine point favorites at this point. At least the Bengals are going to be able to be in a positive game script to Mixon's benefit. So I think, at, yeah, just 6,900. He is someone we can get in there. After that, it's interesting, Andrew. You know, I kind of have Henderson, Hurts, and Mixon as like my locks at this point. From there, yes, we can go up to Najee, particularly if we want to save some um, at tight end, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I also really just think we don't have to go up above 7K this week at running back because your guy, Juice, Khalil Herbert is all the way down there at 5.4K at home against the 49ers defense that is good, but we got three defensive linemen expecting to be out again in Ken Law, D. Ford, and there's another guy whose name escapes my mind at this point. And like Herbert, we saw Damian Williams come back and it didn't matter. He was used even more often basically than he was the week before. So Andrew, talk to me about kind of why you might want to go all the way up to Najee versus just going down to your guy Juice, who you've been telling us about since April.
1: I mean, you, you make a compelling argument, especially with with my guy Juice. I think that he's in a really good spot this week. And I was actually when I was doing the rankings for those kind of like RB twos, it was like Herbert, Mitchell, and Hubbard were all kind of like back to back to back. And I was like, they're all kind of like in pretty similar situations. They're all kind of like the lead backs, and, and it's all it's weird because they're all day three rookie running backs. It's just and they're all starting running backs in the NFL right now. And so it's it's absolutely wild. And I actually ended up putting Herbert ahead of both those guys after I kind of just did a little bit more research because he's just, he's getting the work and he's probably been the best running back out of of the three. Like Hubbard has gotten the touches, but he has not been nearly as efficient where Herbert has been delivering despite whatever opponent they're playing. So I think that if you are paying down, yeah, at 5,400, that makes sense. Uh, With Najee, it's just, it's just the the safety of how often he's using that offense. Like he just, his expected fantasy points per game are... It's, like, off the charts. Like, he has more expected fantasy points per game than Derrick Like Than anyone. Like, 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 it's 39.9 per game. Like, that's bonkers. And that's that was the whole point of why we talked about Najee Harris as, you guys, the role, the volume. Like, this is why it doesn't matter who is blocking because he's going to touch the ball so many times it doesn't even freaking matter. And that's exactly what we're seeing. So, I know we talk about this rookie bump thing. I mean... Is there, a, is there a rookie bump for Najee Harris? Can he see even more touches? Who knows? But I, I just think that he has such a safe projection, especially in PPR, where he's getting peppered with targets. There is no Juju, so does he now see more targets consistently without that safety valve underneath in Juju Smith-Schuster? I just think Najee Harris is... I mean, if you can find the finances, like Joe Mix, the only thing with him is, again, Mitch you mentioned, like P Ryan does get involved. He's not involved in the passing game nearly as much, so I don't know if things go weird in, in the Bengals game and... They're not, you know, there's a turnover and they have to throw. They're behind or something like that. That always happens. Like, you can get game scripted out potentially with Nixon, But with Najee, it just doesn't even matter
0: so I actually misspoke before I want Herbert and Henderson locked in not as much Mixon. I think you can go from mixing up to Najee easier mm-hmm. obviously going from Herbert up there is a lot of extra money there but yeah Najee that'd be funny the post buy bump for Najee he starts getting <laughs> 45 combined carries and targets per game why the hell not so yeah cast game really people Daryl Henderson and yeah my opinion Khalil Herbert just really too underpriced relative to their three down rolls in winnable enough spots and yeah Najee Or Joe Mixon, I think, are both really quality guys to fill out that. Andrew, are we making a mistake by not talking about Derrick Henry? I mean, it's just a question we need to ask every single time he's on the main slate. I think we're fine with these values. Like, again, expected points. Najee has more than Henry. I don't know why he's $1,400 cheaper than Derrick Henry. Are we just approaching the king more in tournaments this week?
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of the way you want to do it. You never want to completely fade Derrick Henry because you're just not going to want to look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day. But I mean, he's really, really expensive. Uh, I, so that's why I don't think he's like a cash game. Because we have the alternatives. Like yeah. if there were other, if there weren't these obvious running back plays. Like, I mean, Daryl Henderson, like you said, like he shouldn't be this price. It's just because he didn't fire last week against the lions just because of, you know, the way things played out. It's not like he played bad or it's like, Oh man, Daryl Henderson sucks. It's like, no, like he did everything right. Just didn't end the end zone. Cause Cooper Cup was scoring 40 yeah. points. It just, you know, he just ran bad. So, I I, I mean, is it going to happen again against the Texans? I mean, probably not. Like, I, I doubt that that's going to happen again. So, Henderson's the last time you're going to be playing that he's just cheap. I mean, we have Joe Mixon. We have Najee. Like, we have these other guys that are also involved as three down backs. So, I don't think you need to pay up for Derek Henry, especially because he is really expensive. Like, that's the reason why you can actually – it's not even because Derek Henry is a, a bad play. He's never a bad play. Just a matter of, okay, well, what are you going to put around him? Because he can't score all the points for you on his own most weeks.
0: So let's look at tight end real quick. I think there's two real options. I know you have Jonu Smith down there. He did come back and start the week off with a practice, but I don't know, man. I saw the they were really trying to force feed him the ball in the beginning of that game, but I just don't think we need to really take that leap of faith with Dan Arnold sitting there at just 2.8K. You know, we got burned because he got hurt, but James O'Shaughnessy screwed us in week two, Andrew, <laughs> trusting the uh, Jaguars tight end. But here we got Dan Arnold playing in every down role with, I think, 14 targets over his last two games. And, you know, we don't have Chark there. He is legit the number three receiver inside this Jaguars offense. Trevor Lawrence has been playing better. Obviously, hey, if we can get Dan Arnold on Jamal Adams multiple times per game, we'd like that matchup. we like that matchup eight days of the week. So, I think Arnold at two point 8k probably makes the most sense because again just after kind of going through some lineups seeing what the roster looks like with arnold versus dallas goddard who again is great but we can use that 2k we're saving in salary i think a little bit better elsewhere so are we in on uh, dan arnold as our really just cost saver this week andrew
1: yeah, I did the same thing as you. I first put in Goddard with Hertz, and then I was like, mm, this is a luxury. I'm, not, I'm paying up for Goddard. probably don't need to do this. Especially, I mean, Goddard didn't really see that many targets last week either. I mean, he, he made it off efficiency. So it, it's probably it's always not necessarily worth it to pay the extra $2,000 for for a tight end when, yeah. I mean, you could see Arnold and, and Dallas Goddard basically putting up the same production. So, uh, yeah, I think Dan Arnold makes a lot of sense. I mean, I still really like Johnny. I think if Johnny was healthy, I think I would probably still play him over Dan Arnold, just because, like you mentioned it, you know, they were force feeding him last week, but they've been doing that all year long. Like, his his target rate per route run, 32%, is second best in the NFL behind only Cooper Cup. But he doesn't so, run routes. Well, that's what I mean, but, but <laughs> when he's on the field, he's getting the ball, and he's starting to see his routes increase. Like, he was running more routes in the beginning of that game, and then he got hurt. So, I mean, I think the matchup is also really good against the Jets. Like, the Jets are one of the worst teams against tight ends, so that's where I think he has an edge over uh, Dan Arnold.
0: I hear you, man. I just wonder if we're looking a little bit too much into a 17 snap sample from last week. He had a combined four targets the two previous. Well, races. no, but even
1: like, but even before, like in the in the prior games
0: before that, he That's had what a high I'm target saying. rate. But he had a high target rate because he ran like 18 total routes. I mean, at some point we need the volume. I mean, I understand that we can have, like, that's why all the Eagles run, like the Miles Sanders thing, which I'm not going to sit here and say that I expected Sanders to get hurt last week. But when you looked at his rush attempts, it's like, okay, when you look at the percentages, it's all great. But when the percentage is out of 10 total attempts, I don't care if he's at 90%. Give me the guy that's at 60%, but there's 25 attempts involved. So he's 2.8K. He's a punt at tight end. I see what you're saying, but I, I just think Dan Arnold is the one that like objectively, if we just had to go raw projected points, Arnold should be projected for more than Johnu.
1: Probably, yeah. So,
0: it's an option. Dan Arnold, Johnu Smith. Whatever you people want to do, you can make your own opinion. It's two point eight k. It's not changing the rest of the lineup. So, with that in mind, uh, defense for saving money with the Washington football team, I think they are the clear uh, play in cash twenty one hundred. Like people, they just. Look at the quarterbacks they've played this year. That's kind of been the major issue for them. They've had to face... Packers, Kansas City, the Saints, and the Falcons in the last four weeks. And they've still scored seven, eight, five, and six fantasy points in those games. So, number three, I believe, in pressure right now. And look, they're bad. They're obviously not the world beaters we thought they were to start the year. But when you look a little bit in the advanced stats, we got the Washington football team, the second best defense in contested target rate, 28th in passing touchdown rate allowed. So, I think now that they're facing a banged up version of Teddy Bridgewater, this is where we can see them, you know, maybe get a little bit of that. good old regression and make them again not a world beater but at least an average defense and when there's a second cheapest unit on the slate yeah i'll take them anytime so with that in mind again i think this is the pretty much good core oh and also Now in the wide receiver, Andrew, we both had him down. Chris Goblin, I think at 6,400, just makes all the sense in the world. Fully expecting Marshawn Lattimore to be tracking Mike Evans all over the field. Sounds like Antonio Brown, even if he's not going on IR, is still a week away or two from returning. And like, look, I don't think wide receiver, cornerback, individual matchups are the biggest thing to hang your hat on. Usually more of a tiebreaker. But you look at what Lattimore has done to Mike Evans. I mean, in the playoffs last year, one catch, three yards, one touchdown. In week one, one catch, two yards, one touchdown. He had 64 scoreless yards another time. He got Goose Egg the previous matchup before that. So I just think Lattimore, who, to his credit this year, he really shut down Devontae Adams. He shut down Terry McLaurin, and he was an offensive pass interference call away from shutting down DK Metcalf. So Evans is capable of winning any matchup. He did against Lattimore in that week one a few years ago when uh, Fitzpatrick was under center. So it's not a guarantee, but either, even if Evans wins, like that doesn't mean Goblin can't win in the same uh, game. So I just think Goblin has 6,400 makes a lot of sense so that's basically the core that i think people should definitely be rolling with that's jalen Hurts at qb daryl henderson khalil herbert at running back chris godwin as one of your receivers dan arnold at tight end the washington football team on defense after this andrew i think is where it gets interesting because we got some 5k wide receivers that i think make a lot of sense how about you talk to the people about michael pittman and t higgins
1: yeah, I mean, I think like, I think these guys are just both in really really good spots this week. I mean, Michael Pittman has, I mean, he's the alpha in that offense, and I know that the one bad game he really had this year was when Ty Hilton came back against the Houston Texans. But I think that was really more the Texans rather than Ty Hilton like being fully back. We know the the track record with Ty against. I mean, he literally you look up the go to the Wikipedia page. T.Y. Hilton is the owner of, of the Houston Texans. So uh, he always finds a way to be productive against them. I'm just not, I mean, how confident are we that Hilton's even going to finish the entire game? Like we don't know. So It was I mean, also right. Paris
0: Campbell that game. So if only T.Y. returns and he is, Campbell's done for the season, it looks like. It's, it's fine if Hilton's there. It's a great matchup again.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, Pittman has, you know, he's ranked third in terms of routes run per dropback rate this season, 95%. Like he's on the field all the time. Like he's running routes like an alpha wide receiver. And that matters. Like, It's pretty eye-opening when you actually track the routes run. And, I mean, it's a really good way to view, like, how the teams view the receivers. It's like, if you're on the field all the time as the only receiver, then the team views you as the alpha wide receiver one. And it's kind of interesting looking at, like, the Bills receivers, for example. Like, Diggs is not running the most routes on that team. So I just think it's kind of an interesting thing to look at. But, I mean, the fact that Pittman was able to four catches, 105 yards, one touchdown, again, in a friggin' monsoon (laughs) <laughs> like, dude, against uh, the 49ers, like, he's going to be able to ball out against the Titans, fifth most famous points allowed to wide receivers in the last four weeks. He's got 12 targets against them when they played in week th- in week three. So, and I'm pretty sure he balled out against them last year too. So I think Pittman is just way too cheap where he is at 5,300.
0: Also, and- uh, uh, real quick with Pittman, because I remember I actually somewhat misspoke on the breakdown pod talking about him where I didn't love the thought of really just prioritizing him in lineups. And I've come around on that because... Because one of the listeners of the pod, and always appreciate your feedback, brought up just on a tweet like, hey, it's worth noting that last week, yeah, he only had four official targets, but he drew, what, three defensive pass interferences and was far more involved uh, downfield than maybe just that box score would suggest. So it's a great point there. And this is a matchup where Carson Wentz probably will be half to throwing a little bit more than usual to keep up on the scoreboard. So all great points with Michael Pittman. And then Andrew. T. Higgins, like this is just the natural, most natural bounce back spot of the freaking season.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the New York Jets who are the whipping boys of the NFL. And, you know, my Patriots, you know, had a great That's game right. against the, the New York Jets last week, putting up 53 points. The, Jets, the Patriots aren't even a good team, okay? Like, they've only beaten rookie quarterbacks so far this season. So, uh, Davis Davisville, Zach Wilson, and uh, Mike White, uh, who's not I don't even know if he's a rookie. It really doesn't matter. But, T. Higgins, again, you saw, depending on which what you're looking at for targets, you either saw 15 or 16 targets. I've seen both either way. It, it was a boatload of targets last week and it was all a lot of high value variety targets, you know, two end zone targets, three targets, 20 plus yards, hundred, 177 total air yards. And it was actually, you know, Joe Burrow, all the accurate targets he threw Higgins caught. So like if you look at Higgins PFF grade from last week, it was a top 12 grade and it's kind of weird. Cause you're like, well, he had like less than a 50% catch rate, but it's because he caught all of his catchable balls and Burrow was just missing him constantly, whether it was in the end zone, whether it was downfield. And I mean, the fact of how great Burrow is playing right now, that's going to regress. Yeah. You know, Burrow is, has a top 10 uh, completion percentage this season. So I just don't think it's going to continue for them to not connect. I mean, Higgins has a 30% target share over the last three weeks and, you know, the Jets, yes, they've not given up a lot of fantasy points to wide receivers, but that's not an indication of, of their talent in their secondary. Their they're PFF sixth worst coverage grade this season, they've just been giving up points to the running back. I mean, they're just, it's basically your weapon of choice when you face the Jets, and it's just been running backs for the most part. But, I mean, we're going to see at least either Chase or Higgins have a big game against New York. You know, Joe Burrow has been one of the more efficient passers this year. That's really how he's been getting it done. It's not been on a lot of volume. It's been on efficiency. So Higgins has been getting the volume. And I feel so comfortable going back to him this week because it doesn't feel like I'm a, I'm like chasing this, this not talented air yards guy or some fringy player. Like I'm chasing a talented player. That's getting a ton of opportunities that I think is going to cash in.
0: Dude, he had a sick, he was like three feet out of bounds. It wasn't close to a a real catch, but he went up with one hand and like OBJ to dude in the, (laughs) the end zone on one of them. Like, yeah, it's, I'm with you there. So yeah, people, this is what I was saying. Like again, Hertz, Henderson, Herbert, Godwin. Dan Arnold in Washington. And from here, you have options because if you want to go Pittman and Higgins and save some money, you can get all the way up to Cooper, Cup or Derrick Henry in your flex spot to finish out your lineup. That's reasonable. Or you can go one of Pittman and Higgins, go up into the 6K range to fit, fill out your wide receiver spot with a Calvin Ridley, with a Deontay Johnson, with a Keenan Allen, whoever you want. I think they're all three in very good spots and are worthwhile cash game plays. You can get them and then go down to Najee Harris in your flex spot. So I think, again, Hertz, Henderson, Herbert, Goblin, Arnold, Washington—that's your core. And then feel free to go Pittman, Higgins, or go up in the six K range, and that's going to allow you to go from either Najee or up to Henry or Cooper Cup. Do you think that's a pretty, pretty fair roster construction uh, strategy, Andrew? That's what we're trying to do here, right? We're, not, we're trying yeah. to—we're trying to teach them how to fish. We're not just trying to give them the fish.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, because there are things that change. Like, we're not going to be able to, you know, hold your hand necessarily on Sunday morning at 11:30 when there's breaking news about X player being like teaching you the skills is, is part of the game. And, you know, we can't hold your hand, like, during late swap, too. Like, you got to know, like, hey, I played Chris Godwin in cash. Oh, no, I'm dead. Oh, let's switch. Let's swap to Cortland Sutton. Here we go. Like, same price. Boom. So it's things like that that at least I've learned in my experience playing DFS. It is really important to learn the tools and how to build the right lineups and to think the right way. It's also part of the fun. Like, you're strategically thinking through it. It's like, not just fun. right? here are the answers to the test. Like, just put a minute and go. Like, yes, that's. If, if it's profitable, then yes, it's fun. But I, I enjoy the, you know, the game theory that goes into it.
0: And remember, people, uh, I, Andrew will not be here tomorrow night. He's got his ninth, ninth. A year anniversary with a girlfriend. Has a nice ring to it, Andrew. I don't know. Just my two cents. But uh, Andrew's not going to be here, but I'll be back with uh, Dwayne McFarlane Friday night to go through all the injuries. And we, you know, it's, we, we talk season long, DFS, uh, just whatever on that pod. So we'll talk about potential pivots from there. But yeah, on Sunday morning, that's when you're going to want to make sure you get a big once over because, you know, things change in the NFL. We'll see uh, what happens between now and then. Before we move on to tournament plays, just want to take a quick break to pay some bills because right now, people, you can get. Twenty-five percent off any PFF subscription if you use code Fantasy. Andrews DFS kit, Duane's utilization report, my wide receiver cornerback breakdown, all that, and every single piece of locked article content can be yours with the PFF subscription. You can get twenty-five percent off with code Fantasy. All the DFS tools you could want. We got a lineup builder. We got ownership reports. And again so much more. Player prop tools, betting dashboards, I guarantee you, you will get your money's worth with this deal. Again, use code FANTASY for 25% off any PFF subscription, make you a smarter fantasy football player, smarter real-life football fan, and just a better person overall. So again, use code FANTASY for 25% off any PFF subscription. And also NFL fans hungry for a big win this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. Yeah, just pick the Rams over the Texans this week. Doesn't have to be too hard, everyone. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app use promo code PFF, bet just $5 on any NFL team, aka the Rams to win their game and win $200 in free bets, if they win, you win with promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older, New Jersey, and or Pennsylvania, only new customers, only minimum $5 deposit, $1 wage required, one per customer shipping supplies, to DraftKings.com, sportsbook with details getting a problem called 1-800-GAMBLER and also whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies Western and is teaming up of PFFs, very on Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both in every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a cater party for February's big game. So check out the Chris Collinsworth Podcast, which myself and Dwayne McFarland appeared on Thursday. You can catch that as a part of PFS Podcast Network and Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at Western southern.com slash ask chris one more time that is western southern.com slash ask chris if you're watching on youtube check out the link in the description below remember western southern you can rest assured on game day and finally people it's football season you know what that means it means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show manscape blitzing through hairs has never been easier and it's time for you to join two million men worldwide who trust manscape by using code PFF at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that Wildcat offense. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF. So, Andrew. A lot of different routes to go in tournaments this week. There are some salary savers. You know, we got Tyler Johnson down there at 3100 Jamal Agnew, whose nickname is Jamal Swagnew, which I found out the other day, which I'm a big fan of. You know, you can save some money there. Michael Carter's at $4,900 uh, for the Jets coming off the nice workload bump. So I do think maybe going the kind of rags and riches would be a little bit uh, contrarian because of just how much value there is in the middle tiers of all these positions. But hey, you know, I do think there's also spots where you can just go a little bit more contrarian with the specific middle guys you're picking. So, let's start things off with the quarterbacks because you like the idea of maybe paying up and getting the most expensive one on the slate, Josh Allen.
1: Yeah, I I mean, he's the best quarterback in fantasy right now. I mean, after Patrick Mahomes kind of didn't play super great last week, you know, his fantasy points per game, you know, fell off a little bit and he fell outside the the QB1 and now it's Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen has been by far the most productive quarterback when you look at expected fantasy points per game. Like, he is well above every other player. It's by five points, basically. So that's what I'm looking for. You're looking for those gaps. You know, because we can, you know, from the naked eye, you kind of bucket Josh Allen and and the other elite quarterbacks kind of together. But when you actually look at the numbers, you're like, oh, wow, like, he's actually significantly way better, or he should be way better than those other guys. And, I mean, what else could you ask for? The matchup is great. Miami's allowed the... Most passing yards over the last four weeks, three hundred thirty-four per game, and it's not like they've played like these the most elite offenses. They've played, you know, just kind of like average offenses, and they've just been reeling. They just have not been good on defense, despite the fact that you know, they have some talented cornerbacks. It just has not mattered. You know, it's just been so easy to score on them. I mean, they're a bad team right now. They're just not a good team. And I think Josh Allen too, because there's no Dawson Knox. I think it makes it a little bit easier to figure out who to stack him with, just one less guy. You know. It makes it a little bit easier to figure out. Okay, who am I going to play him along? Because that's really what it matters when you look at quarterbacks. Because you're no one is just rostering the quarterback. And I think you have made this point a couple of times. You're not just rostering the quarterback and his salary. You're rostering his court, the quarterback and his salary and his weapons. Unless you're not going to stack. Which if you're not stacking, then you're playing suboptimally. So I think that's really important. That's something I'm actually trying to do a better job of thinking like. It doesn't really matter what Josh Allen's price is. It's what's Josh Allen's price, plus Emmanuel Sanders, plus Cole Beasley, or whoever you decide to pair him with. And there's a lot of value receivers on Buffalo I like a lot, including Gabriel Davis. So it should see a bump in usage without Dawson Knox. So there's a lot of ways to use Josh Allen and be different because it's not super obvious which guys to play him with. But one less guy without Knox, I think it does make it a little bit easier. So I like Josh Allen a lot.
0: It's a good point on Gabe Davis. He's right there with the Tyler Johnson's and Jamal Swag News of the world that I mentioned uh, before. And yeah, Josh Allen just also owns this Miami defense seemingly. Last six matchups, the Bills have scored 42, 31, 37, 31, 56 in that week 17 massacre and 35 points earlier this year. I know the defense has had some touchdowns in that stretch, but either way, people, Bills have been dominating uh, the Dolphins on the scoreboard as of late. I, so. Again, I don't think you need to get off hurts and cash. The two cheapest quarterbacks that I do like this week, though, are Carson Wentz and Trevor Lawrence. And they got affordable stacking, guys, as we talked about. You can go with Wentz and Michael Pittman. Bring that back with A.J. Brown pretty easily. Maybe even Julio Jones. We got to see how that hamstring's doing, as always. But I don't think that Julio's going to be quiet forever. Might not be a bad tournament play. And also, with Trevor Lawrence... Two of his three like truly good games of the year. Like him grading out as a top twelve, top thirteen passer did come uh in two to three weeks before their buy. So you can get Lawrence with Marvin Jones, maybe LaVisca Chenault, maybe get really crazy and go with Swagnew. Uh hell, even bring it back with like DK Metcalf, who, yes, I know it sucks with Geno Smith under center, but as we saw, it just takes one or two targets for him to really pay off in a big way. So wanna go cheap. I think Wentz and Lawrence can offer some uh, you know, interesting spots and like we talk about, I think a real easy way to just start building your tournament. Um, rosters is look at who are the chalkiest running backs on the slate and then basically pivot off them to those teams quarterbacks if they are someone that we can get behind in fantasy and we have that you know Austin Eckler being priced up where he is he's expected to have some pretty high rostership so why not go to Justin Herbert with Keenan Allen and uh, overly priced Mike Williams but still someone that can put up a big game nonetheless Mike was practicing in full to start this week after that knee injury so that was great to see and yeah I understand last year New England Patriots completely blanked the Chargers 45-0, I did look a little closer at that and it seemed like the Bill Belichick strategy was just not to blitz Justin Herbert at all. It was only 9% of his dropbacks. He got blitzed. That was way down from, I believe, to like 24% rate in other games. So this year, Herbert against the blitz, he's PFF's 13th highest graded passer. When they don't blitz, he's fourteen. So Justin Herbert, other than that Ravens game, has been dominating just about everyone. And, you know, okay. And I know you're a Patriots fan, Andrew, so I'm apologizing for shitting on your squad. But, okay, they shut down Zach Wilson and Mike White last week. Like, congrats. Do you want a freaking medal? Before that, Dak threw for the most yards anyone has against the Bill Belichick defense. And then Davis Mills went for 303 tutties the week before. So Herbert with well-rested versions of Keenan and Mike Williams could be a real fun tournament stack. And then finally, with Derrick Henry at the top, Why not go down to Ryan Tannehill and AJB? And like with Tannehill, man, it's just been more of a volume thing. Like last week, we talked about playing him and yeah, like Henry got shut down. It was supposed to be the great Ryan Tannehill game, but they just beat the Chiefs by 24 points. So didn't quite work out there. Moving on to running back, Andrew. See, I'm not totally hating on the Patriots though because I'm with you. Damien Harris, even though they're not favored this week, like if there is one team in the league that we can feel good about like an early down grinder facing, it's this Chargers defense.
1: Yeah, I mean the Chargers are the the the, the anti-Bucks, you know, they they they're the run funnel defense and they just want teams to run all over them. And they just don't want the people to throw against them, and I think that the Patriots will take that invitation to to the game, and they're going to use Damian Harris. So the reason you you wouldn't find Damien Harris selling like a cash game build, even though the matchup is really good, is because you know, like you said, like Justin Herbert, and the Chargers could get a lead, and then Damien Damian Harris is is dusted, and he's basically a zero because it's going to be the brand the Brandon Bolden show, which I just cannot believe we continue to see every single week. The guy just get. Peppered with targets when they're up by, like, 40 points. Brandon Bolden, Brandon Bolden has, like, six catches. Uh, it just does not make any sense. and just blows my mind. And that's also another thing, too. Like, Belichick does stuff. Sometimes does stuff with his backfield. Like, you know, we all thought Ramondre Stevenson could be, like, a sneaky play last week against the Jets. Oh, he's, he's inactive. Oh, J.J. Taylor, two touchdowns. Like, they just do a lot of weird stuff. So you can't even really play Damien Harrison Cash, but it makes a lot of sense here in this spot. The matchup is really, really good against the Chargers. And we saw last Damian Harris had a great game against the Jets, another bad run defense. So he's affordable at 6,100. And this is the spot you want to play him. I think it makes a lot of sense to play him in builds with st- with bringing back with some of these Chargers receivers. You think, okay, the Patriots playing with the lead. Maybe Damian Harris gets up. They're throwing. Okay, you want to stack him with Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. I think it's not – I don't know if I had full game stack this because it doesn't. I don't know if I would do quarterback and Damian Harris just because I don't know how that game script would necessarily work out. But I like the skinny stack approach with Damian Harris.
0: Yeah, and with Harris, like, I, there's not really a more, I think. What do we always talk about with Belichick and like, Josh McDaniels? How much they change their team per week like to basically combat what the opponent is not good at. That's why when the Patriots fit, played the Saints, when they played the Buccaneers, these two teams that just load the box and really if you just look at like average depth of tackle and some of these uh, like yards before contact metrics are almost in a tier of their own. Harris had 10 total rush attempts in those games because why would they feed him the ball against those juggernaut front sevens? Now we have a Chargers defense that is literally like if you pick a rushing metric, there's a very good chance they're dead last in it. And we saw them play the Browns and the Ravens before their bye and not change anything. And they just really allowed themselves to get run all over on. So it's always possible they change the strategy coming out of the bye. But again, McDaniels and Belichick, smart guys. It makes sense that Damon Harris would be the focal point of their offense this week. Love that call in tournaments some other guys we have there nick chubb returning uh andrew i thought that was a good guy for you to list i mean okay the earnest was great i think he'll have a role that's not you know he'll play more than five percent of the snaps i'm not sure he's gonna be like kareem hunt There's a chance, though, that we just see Nick Chubb take the hell over. Back in 2019, when Kareem Hunt was suspended for those first eight games, you know, we had a different type of Browns team going on, different coach and all that, so not a given. But we saw legit like 99% snap rates during the stretch. Kareem Hunt last year without Nick Chubb was playing almost every single snap. So, again, I do think the Earnest will have a decent enough role. But Nick Chubb, like he doesn't even need 90% of the snaps to potentially hit a couple home runs. And obviously with the Browns expected... Uh, to do their thing over the Steelers. I think they're three-and-a-half-point or So right now, Chubb could have that good game script. And if we want to get disgusting, what about <laughs> David Johnson? So, Andrew, this is actually good to talk about from like a season-long perspective, too. As I'm sure many of you saw on Wednesday night, Mark Ingram got traded back to the Saints. Ingram, I think, is a pure handcuff for Alvin Kamara. I would not expect the same sort of standalone volume we were seeing from him with Kamara in 2017 and 2018. David Johnson's the interesting one, though. So, Andrew, this is the way I kind of looked at the situation. Before, we basically had a three-back committee. Rex Burkhead does steal a couple snaps per game, but I think he's had one rush attempt the entire year and, like, two catches. Like, that's whatever. Take your five snaps, Rex. Like, we don't really need to count him as part of the committee. So we had a three-back committee with Ingram getting all the early down work. But David Johnson in recent weeks was playing with snaps north of 50%. He's cemented as the pass down back. Like Philip Lindsay, I think, has played like two total third downs all season. Like they do not use Lindsay as a pass down back at all. So now that Ingram is out of the picture, unless another party is added to the equation, which is possible, but for right now, we'll hope that that's not going to be a situation. At least the backfield is down to two guys. And if Lindsay's, what, he played four snaps last week, If that's going to persist, then David Johnson might take the hell over. So for me, David Johnson is someone worthwhile picking up, seeing what his snaps look like this week, maybe playing in tournaments this week because his best case scenario is a true three down, like barely leaving the field workhorse. On a bad team, but that hasn't stopped James Robinson and DeAndre Swift from balling out over the past two years. Whereas Lindsey, like his best case scenario, is taking the majority of Mark Ingram's carries, which already weren't helping Mark Ingram be a fantasy asset in the first place. And Lindsey still is not going to touch the pass down work. So to me, Andrew, I think David Johnson is definitely the one that, again, don't freak out about. Don't go call your mom's friends and trying to like tell everyone you know to go pick this guy up in fantasy. But if anyone is going to have a true sizable like enhanced role because of this trade. It's David Johnson.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's a 4,200, like he's $200 more expensive than the stone minimum running back play. And it makes sense with the way that you would build a lot of rosters this week. You know, it's interesting that, you know, who's the most popular receiver on the slate, you know, per the PFF projections, it's, it's Brandon cooks. And that's not because Brandon cooks is, I mean, yeah, he's a good value because he sees a lot of targets, but it's because people are loading up on Rams Because they know they're going to kill the Texans. And they're like, all right, I need to bring back. All right, Brandon Cooks, like lock him in. So instead of going with Brandon Cooks, you bring it back with David Johnson. Like that's what you would do. And I've learned this because a couple weeks ago, I was really on Brady against the Dolphins. You know, I I liked his matchup and I double stacked. I I hit on it. It was like Evans and Browns or Evans and Antonio Brown. I brought it back with Waddle. And that turned out to be the wrong guy to bring it back with because it was Gaskin that had this massive game. And that's what we could see from David Johnson. Like, it's obvious, like we're looking for volume here and you just kind of laid it out. There's a perfect scenario why David Johnson will see more volume. And it's not us like guessing. It's they literally took out a guy from the offense. Like there are touches to be had. It's no guarantee, of course, because they can do weird stuff like teams do. But there's a lot of scenarios like that this week where we've eliminated running backs from backfields from three to two. And that's going to make a difference. And we're chasing the volume like we've seen it so many times this year where guys we were like oh like Darius johnson like me oh yeah he got volume oh rb1 sick <laughs> like it just happens so yeah i think david johnson and even just like talking it through like listening to you talk i'm actually more excited i know i put the skull emoji next to his name in the uh when i sent you take over it the off take
0: the skull away
1: <laughs> but now yeah i'm, I'm kind of like buying into it a little bit more my, myself now that we talk about it
0: i think two other running backs that are benefiting from just their teammates leaving the equation Michael Carter, only 4.9K. So, Coleman was out because of a hamstring last week. He wasn't a pure healthy scratch. We'll see if he's back this week. Either way, even when he was playing before the bye, the usage was trending towards Michael Carter. So, you know, I do think the Bengals will probably beat the shit out of the Jets. But, crazier things have happened, and he was the overall RB6 last week, largely because he caught eight or nine passes out there. So, Carter is in play as one of the cheaper backs. And also... Wow, finally, maybe people don't get too excited, but Miles Gaskin at 5.6K. Now that Malcolm Brown is on the injured reserve with a quad injury. So we can live with Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed. Now, it's not a given. I saw a funny tweet from... uh, Kyle Yates over at Fantasy Pros where it was like, oh, uh, Malcolm Brown's out of the picture. Time for Miles Gaskin. And then it was that big bird, like, kicking down the door meme. It was like, <laughs> here comes Duke Johnson to uh, take over some stuff. So it could happen. You know, if Duke Johnson is, <laughs> I got a hello from everyone's favorite college football writer, Seth Galina, in, in the other room. But um, with... Uh, as I lose my train of thought with Gaskin. Yeah, we could see Duke Johnson activated, added to the equation and that is problematic, but even then, like he's not going to be taking seemingly uh, much of the uh, early down work. So I think miles Gaskin having eliminated at least one of these players does uh, have some allure this week, at least a little bit more than usual. And with Khalil Herbert, man, I was, you know, we'll see what the, it, again, Thursday roster ship will be updated by Sunday. Like make sure you stay on top of this as new things emerge, but Khalil Herbert's cheap enough that I might just be getting him in tournaments and cash games alike if people aren't going to pay attention to the man. Let's look at some wide receivers here, Andrew. A lot of interesting options. Let's talk about Deontay Johnson, maybe Chase Claypool, because no, there's no... Uh, no Juju anymore. He's out for the season. And before the bye, we got some like hype in the early parts of the week. Enough for me on some desperate fantasy teams to go pick up James Washington. He's not even playing. It's just Ray Ray McLeod taking the slot snaps. And like Rossberger isn't really throwing it to him. So shout out to Ray Ray. You know, son of legend Fox McLeod who saved the universe <laughs> back in the day. But it really just is Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool now on the outside against a Browns defense that, yeah, could make life miserable for Big Ben and company. But volume is volume, Andrew. These guys should have a ton of it.
1: Yeah, you know, like looking in this tier, you know, the lower seven k, uh, upper price six k range. I was trying to figure, like Ridley, DJ Moore, Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson. I was trying to figure out like which of these guys are like the most, and Deontay kind of stood out to me. Stood out to me as the most guy. I kind of like. I was kind of gravitating myself to it, just because like the targets are so concise with Ben rothsberger there again, and target rate per route run. It's only Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup that are higher than Deontay Johnson at the wide receiver position. Like, he's seeing very, very close usage to those guys. And those guys are, like, 9K. Like, they're so expensive. And I just don't think Deontay Johnson's, like, top of mind coming off the bye week. You know, Big Ben's his quarterback. But, okay, like, look at the other quarterbacks. That You know, Matt Ryan is good, but DJ Moore has Sam Darnold. Uh, Okay. Uh, Debo Samuel has Jimmy Garoppolo slash Trey Lance. Uh, okay. Like, <laughs> and then Ben It's like, okay, yeah. Like, they're all not great options. So, I mean, Big Ben could, like, for this particular game for one week, could Big Ben be the better quarterback out of all those three? Probably, yeah. So, I think Deontay just makes a ton of sense in the PPR scoring that is DraftKings. I mean, the Browns have not been good against a wide receiver position, third most fantasy points allowed to receiver in the last four weeks. I know they didn't give up a lot of points last week, but I think that had a lot to do with the wind. Um, for the Denver Broncos, just not really able to push the ball downfield. I mean, Courtney Sutton got the ball. Like he was making plays against the Browns secondary. So I think Deontay's in a really good spot. I, I just don't think he's not, he's not popular like, and he just gets targets. So I'll just take it to the bank.
0: Just his price point. I think is the reason why it's the one, of the most natural, like bounce back, get right spots for Calvin Ridley at home against the Panthers. So I think people are going to him or just 200 bucks cheaper to Chris Goblin, who I'm, I'm not against like put, you know, you don't have to fade Not every single spot in your tournament lineup needs to be like a contrarian guy by any stretch of the imagination, but when we can get someone that's still, like Deontay is one of only seven guys, I believe, maybe six averaging at least 10 targets per game this season, yeah, anytime we can get him with also reduced ownership, we're feeling good about that. Um, If you really hate yourself, you can uh, keep going back to Robbie Anderson. Everything I said last week (laughs) remains true. The targets are there, but Sam Darnold sucks and it's not working for Robbie, so one of these weeks, it'll work out, but I am not going to be the torchbearer this week, but, you know, if he does bust out, I'll say that, i told you <laughs> so. Um, Keenan Allen, just, again, 6.5K against that Patriots secondary that got fleeced by Davis Mills and Dak Prescott. Uh, I do like the idea of, again, going just against Eckler a little bit and really focusing more on those Chargers, pass catchers, and Herbert. And then, finally, just some dumpster dives that if you want to go under sub, if you want to go under 4K, Amon Russ, St. Brown, Van Jefferson, Jamal Swagnew, Gabriel Davis, and you no know, Dawson Knox, and Tyler Johnson, anyone else you want to talk about here, Andrew?
1: I do want to mention Quez Watkins. Oh. Uh, it's uh, he stood out to me in the last couple of weeks. I like mentioned him in the DFS cheat sheet because he's been getting a lot of high value targets. He's seen targets in the end zone. He's seen targets downfield, and everything's kind of like going in his favor. Like his route participation is going up. Like he actually tied Jalen Rager in routes run last week. So I mean, he's been more productive than Rager, like straight up. Like it has not been close between those two guys. Like who's been the better? Receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles this season. And, you know, the one thing that Quez Watkins offers and brings to the table is explosiveness. Like, he's top five in terms of yards per reception, yards out to the catch per reception. And when we talk about this Lions defense, like, that's what they give up. It's like just massive plays, like these huge big plays, you know, ranking, you know, highest explosive pass play rate allowed this season. So he continues to see and trend in the right direction. So he's 4K. So again, The price isn't even, like, super—he's not even, like, that great. Like, it is not, like, super, super cheap, but that's why nobody will play him because he's not really really super, super cheap. So, I think Watkins makes a lot of sense. We like Hurts. We like the Eagles against the Lions. So, Watkins, I think, is a guy that I would not be surprised if he puts up 20 fantasy points because he has a couple big plays, takes up a couple chunk plays there. So, that's one guy I want to mention. And then I have to mention Jerry Judy. I mean, the more I just kind of talked about and did research on him, I was like, dude— I want to play him like everywhere I can. And I, I, I am not, like obviously the injury thing is probably what makes him stay away in cash. And you can't get down to him just because we don't know if he's like on pitch or something weird happens. But I mean, if he's full go, like he should friggin' go off in this game, you know, seven targets in week one caught six passes for 72 yards. And he did that on 59% of the routes run, uh, you know, per drop back. So he wasn't even playing the entire game and he already had seven targets, which was, Tied for it with Noah Fant for the most. And if you look at the football team, we know that the defense is terrible against wide receivers. Second most fantasy points allowed, but they're also very specifically bad against slot receivers. So the most receptions and completions allowed to the slot. And the way that the Broncos' receiving core is now without KJ Hamler, Judy should play the slot. Like it's going to be Patrick and Sutton on the outside with Judy operating inside. And if this Denver, if the Denver offensive line. Is letting pressure, Teddy's gonna look for his first outlet, which is gonna be the slot receiver. So I think Jerry Judy makes a ton. Of, I mean, he's he's under 5K, he's like 4.9. And just to get someone like that's that talented at that cheap of a price is, I mean, I can't pass up on it.
0: And he was 24 snaps in the slot, only seven out wide in week one with KJ Hamler in action. Obviously, Hamler is on IR, so really not a big deal there. And yeah, what's, uh, Judy's at 4,900, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's in cash. It's just so easy to go up to Pittman or Higgins. I don't think you yeah. need to worry about. But yeah, in tournaments, absolutely. Uh, Real quick, we got a, we're getting some even more David Johnson hype going around the industry. Oh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Wilson, who's you know a respected beat writer for the Texans, uh, wrote an article for Sports Talk 790.iheart.com. And his exact quote was The one in six Texans are now expected to feature. David Johnson, their primary running back last season, yada, yada, yada. Again, with Ingram gone and increased the role of former Denver Broncos Pro Bowl runner, Philip Lindsay. So we'll see. Again, it just matters how much that role increases because if Johnson, if he can just even get half of what Ingram is leaving behind, that'll put him in that flex upside RB3 conversation. It's just a matter of we can't have Lindsay just take all that. So it sounds like things are wheels up for David Johnson, Well, Andrew. I mean, he got – he got – 13 touches last
1: week. So okay, like like worst case scenario, okay gets 15 touches. If, if you're telling me I get a running back that gets 15 touches, more so that are coming as receptions at 4.2k. If I just tell you that blindly, you're gonna be like, all right, where do I sign? Like yeah. <laughs> you're you're gonna you're gonna sign up for that. I and mean, yeah, it's gross that it's the Texans and it's a team that you know has a low ceiling. But like the like how I described the situation, like load up on Rams, fade Brandon Cooks, chalk, play David
0: Johnson and like Tyrod at least gives them a chance not to win yeah. but to at least like not look like the worst offense ever invented. I mean, you look at they had the <laughs> they had the great game against the Patriots where they lost 25-22. Other than that, they have scored 5-3-0 and 9 points since losing Tyrod <laughs> Taylor. So Tyrod was like actually playing awesome in his first six quarters. Like you look at, I, I know it's a small sample size. He played the Jaguars and <laughs> one half against the Browns, but truly, people like maybe just maybe we get Cooks and one other uh, viable fantasy option out of Houston. Okay, quickly on tight end. I, I think there's, you know, without having Kelsey or Waller or Mark Andrews on this uh, slate, I just think there's really a lot of options to go. Um, in case for any of the top guys, we mentioned Dallas Goddard, Dallas Goddard, uh, TJ Hawkinson, 5.4K. Um, easy enough, bring back if you're trying to do the Bengals stack. Mike Tusicki is a 5K wide receiver. Like, it's just one of these things where I think pe- people almost, because I talk about this all the time, like, I'm not bitter that I missed out on him. It's annoying. I wish I was just right on every single call I made throughout <laughs> the offseason and ever. But it's just like, I went through today. I looked at every single starting tight end in the league. It's, it, this, it's not like this happens elsewhere, is my point. Only two tight ends have played more than 70% of their snaps in the slot or out wide. Kyle Pitts is at 73%, pretty close to the borderline. And there's Mike Desicki at 94% snaps. Even our PFF guy, Brad, like was uh, quote tweeted me and was like you should push for the wide receiver designation didn't help himself out though by going to tight end you over the summer I hope that you know crushing some beers with Greg Olson and Travis Kelsey was worth it Mike because you're going to lose yourself money if you would just join my agency that turns tight ends into wide receivers you know this wouldn't be a problem but it is what it is you can get a 5k wide receiver that DraftKings is going to call a tight end uh, what other guys are you liking here Andrew as far as tournament tight ends go
1: so I think that Gronkowski makes – I think the – so the Tom Brady double stack obviously seems to work like every single week. It's just a matter of like figuring out the right guys. And last week it was, it was easy to pinpoint, okay, Brady, Godwin, Evans, Antonio Brown is out. Okay, great. And this week, okay, same thing, Antonio Brown is out. But now the pit it seems, okay, you play Godwin and then you play Gronk with Tom Brady because Evans is going to get tied up with Lattimore. Gronk has touchdown equity. And he was he's he was the leader in fantasy points per game at tight end before he got hurt. So I think that Gronk makes a ton of sense with Brady stacks. And then probably my favorite tight end in the middle tier range is Higby. Like, mm-hmm. the dude has played 100% of the snaps the past two weeks. He's running around on 96% of Matt Stafford's dropback. Like, this is, like, the best usage you could p- you could possibly ask for for any tight end. And And to, like, wrap it up in a bow, he's playing the Texans. The, the worst defense against tight ends. So... I just think that this is like the Higby three touchdown game. Like this is the spot where he just breaks the slate. Tyler Higby, the final word.
0: It's going to happen at some point. Might as well be this week. Again, we mentioned how cheap that Washington defense is. I think there is room for some fun running back defense stacks. Again, we would expect in the most ideal situation possible, running backs. You know, their team builds a lead, they dominate the other team's offense, and the running back gets to keep getting touches, but positive game script late into the game. That's why the running back and defense stack is, you know, arguably one of the more important ones to focus on when uh, building some tournament rosters. So James Robinson and the Jaguars defense going up against Geno and. Con- you could imagine Jonathan Taylor and the Colts going up against Tannehill and the Titans. Look, I, I think Henry and company will put up points, but again, Andrew, we just kind of want pressure. We do see times where Tannehill holds that ball a little bit longer than he should. And he starts kind of getting those five, six sack sack games. If the jets could do it, I think the uh, Colts could do it, you know, maybe a couple times um, out of 10. If you ran the simulation, uh, Khalil Herbert and the bears against Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, it's funny with Jimmy. Like he's one of the, he is the third worst quarterback in both big time throw, rate and turnover worthy play rate. So he's simultaneously not making anything resembling like elite throws while causing more turnovers than just about anyone. So yeah, play this home defense running back combo and you know, it's, I guess Justin Fields doesn't deserve to be a favorite against anyone, but I really don't know that the 49ers deserves the sort of love they're getting going into Chicago. Also have Alex Collins, who was more banged up last week. I know Rashad Penny came in and started to uh, eat a little bit more into his usage, but still really dominated the overall touches in that, obviously facing a Jaguars team that, I don't need to tell you all, hasn't uh, exactly been playing great football all year. So Collins in the Seattle D. And then finally, our guy Cordero Patterson, getting more snaps as a receiver, more snaps as a running back than ever. He is on a solid, as we're seeing, Atlanta offense. And I think if you want to go ahead and just fire up that Atlanta Falcons defense, won't be the worst thing in the world against Sam Darnold, who might be the worst quarterback in the world. And all those defenses are under 3K. So I think there's a lot of different ways to go where these defenses aren't in. You know, they might be bad defenses, but when you're a bad defense facing a bad quarterback, you know, movable object, meeting a stoppable force, something has to give there. So any other defense notes, Andrew?
1: I mean, are you sure you don't want to pay up for the Rams? Now, Now, $5,100. Are they, are they, they, made are them they more? more? They made them more expensive. I don't get it, dude. The golf? Like... Yeah, of course he's more expensive. The Rams defense is more expensive than Goff. It's more expensive than Tyron Taylor. For the second straight week, the Rams defense is, is as expensive or more expensive than the quarterback they're facing.
0: No, Goff's at 52. Rams oh, they at moved 51. up Goff. Uh, <laughs> I just, that's a, I bet that that had to be a conversation in DraftKings headquarters. They're like, can we do it? Can we do it? And someone's like, no, sorry. We just can't go, can't go that far. All right, favorite, uh-huh. favorite stack. I am looking at, I mentioned this before but for tournaments I think going Carson Wentz with Michael Pittman we finally saw the rushing upside back with Wentz last week that was the big takeaway from that monsoon of a game so you know now that he should have controlled weather from the friendly confines of that Indianapolis dome I think going with him and Michael Pittman bringing that back with AJ Brown it's an affordable stack that gives you a lot of upside and uh, yeah maybe even Julio Jones depending on how that hamstring injury goes Uh, I tweeted this out earlier but like Julio himself isn't playing worse he's averaging 2.39 yards per outrun last year was at 2.46 the year before he was at 2.33 the problem is his targets per game 5.4 this year 7.6 last year 10.5 in 2019 so i get it he's not the consistent world beater but if we get target spike for one game i think he'll be just fine so andrew favorite stack
1: i'm loading up on my rams so stafford cooper cup tyler higby bringing it back david johnson
0: yes <laughs> all the david Johnsons. here we especially. go name the Ride or die. After him at this point all right now for the main event everyone the prop profit is here nine and two nine wins just two losses and he is just killing it over at prize points so andrew what do you got for the people this week where's our free money coming from
1: yeah, so there's a lot of, I mean, they've been slow to get out the the player props this week. They're they're slowly chugging along because I'm just stealing all of their money apparently. So they're very hesitant to put lines out. I mean, I I think I single handedly moved Chase Edmonds rushing rushing yards line from Thursday night, but we'll see. Uh, so what I like, so the first one that kind of popped out to me was Alvin Kamara. So he is at sitting at 60 and a half rushing yards. So he didn't reach 60 rushing yards last week. Against the Seahawks and their terrible run defense. And they just traded for Mark Ingram. It seems like it's a pretty clear indication that, hey, we want to pull back Alvin Kamara, like running in between the tackles, get him outside, throw him the ball, and use him that way. Like he's been used basically for his entire career. Cause I they figured out like giving this guy 20 carries a game is like not sustainable long term. Yeah. So Sean Payton says Mark Ingram's gonna play. I believe that. Like he's playing running back. It's not like it's not rocket science. Like he's playing running back. So, I think Mark Ingram will siphon into Kamara's carries, and I think that limits his his rushing production specifically. And then also, they're playing the Buccaneers, like a defense that you don't want to run the football against anyway. So I, I'm very hesitant to think that Kamara is going to have these high rushing total games when his strengths are as a receiver anyway, the Adam Mark Ingram, and they're also playing the Buccaneers. So I'm going to take the under on Alvin Kamara's 60 and a half rushing yards. And then. I am going to take the over on Cordero Patterson's rushing yards prop, which sits at 44 and a half. And so the cool thing about this one is it was actually at 53 and a half earlier this week. And I wanted to take the over then, but I waited because I was, you know, I was doing some other things. And then, you know, I go on to prize picks. So I'm like, hey, it went down like perfect. Like this is perfect time to now take the over on Cordero Patterson's rushing yards. Because again, we saw last week him really kind of take over that backfield over Mike Davis. You know, he outtouched Mike Davis 16 to 4, and he was seeing all the majority of carries in the backfield. So I think Patterson, especially against the Carolina Panthers defense, that's been really susceptible to the running game the last couple of weeks, over the last four weeks, have actually led the most rushing yards to running backs. It's been specifically on outside zone runs. And of course, the Atlanta Falcons under Arthur Smith like number one in the NFL and outside zone rushes per game at 14. So, yeah, I wrote in my, you know, one of my articles, you know, hammer the over on Patterson's 53 and a half rushing prop. Got to get the editors on that. It is now sitting at 44 and a half. So, yeah, if you were, you can get an an even better line on Patterson's over.
0: Alvin Kamara, under 60.5 rushing yards. Cordero Patterson, over 44 and a half rushing yards. You heard it from Andrew Erickson, the prop prophet himself. Go to pff.com. You can check out Andrew's. Always excellent content offerings. these guys. Fantasy football starts. Sit them up. Buy low and sell high targets based on high value opportunities. The week eight fantasy football rankings. Wave wire our pickups, trade candidates. The kid is working hard. And by kid, I mean we're like the same age. So don't mean any <laughs> insult by that. Andrew, great stuff. As always, anything else you want to get off your chest?
1: No, man. Uh, I got I got off my chest the Rams defense already, so we're good with that. Uh, I'm just excited. You know, week eight, this is fun. You know, we're, we're halfway there, man. I, I can't believe it's gone by this fast, so hey, we, we only have a couple more. Main, we got like eight more main slates left. Seven or eight more. Nine more, actually, so let's get it done.
0: Halfway there, living on a prayer. For Andrew, I'm Ian. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And Until next time, take care, everybody.